You are listening to episode 227 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we are hungry in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Not sure people are gonna get what we're talking about here, but we played a little bit of carrion. Uh carrion, right? Yes. That's how we would say it. Uh for this week's inflation deflation challenge. I actually I was gonna buy this game a while back when it was like twenty bucks and I went back up to thirty dollars. I was like, eh, I'll wait till it goes on sale again. And then church, game grinder, actually just beat this game. And I remembered when I saw that, I was like, oh shit, like I have to go buy it. So picked it up it was 20 bucks and so we'll we'll talk about that a little later in the episode but first you can find the game players podcast on your favorite podcast application the one you're listening to now as well as others and you can leave us a five-star review uh you can also find us on social media at the game deflators on instagram and facebook at game deflators on twitter you can also find us on the game our out-of-date website uh anything i missed ryan I think that's uh, no, it. No, no, I think that's everything. I think that's it. That's it. All right. So let's go ahead and get started with our recent pickups and what we're currently playing. I picked up Carrion this week. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that actually was a recent pickup uh, for this week, and we played it for this episode, which is nice. Uh, we also, we as in uh, just John, uh, I pre-ordered the new Fatal Frame Lunar Eclipse one. I forget the full name, and a Maiden of the Black Water. Uh, it's back in stock in a couple weeks from Play Asia, so I just bought both of those, and it came with like a hundred three, I think, after shipping, which isn't bad. I mean, I'm not gonna get you know um, a physical release with like the ESRB and all that good stuff anyway. So I said, screw it. Let's get a hard copy of this game. It's PS5 upgradable from the PS4 version. Uh, so I did have the choice between a cheaper version of the Switch or go with the PS4 version. Obviously, PS4 version in that case. So we'll see how that one is and uh, if it's something that we want to, you know, try out in the near future. As far as currently playing, I played a little bit. I, I was actually in Washington, D.C. for a few days. Uh, and then I got back and was completely wiped. But I decided to play some Cardia. And, dude, story is definitely picked up in a few chapters that I played. Um, uh, I, God, I hate to spoil it, but I mean, who, who out there is going to play this, right? Yeah. Nobody. You know, uh, very few. <laughs> so you have this like King that at some point is believed to have been dead. Right. And basically it turns out that he's not, he's alive and he's actually leading the rebel army and the rebel army is trying to gather cardia to be able to do like this forbidden cardia well turns out he's behind it because he's trying to revive his wife and so his daughter who is lacrima uh turns out that uh she didn't know the whole time so she finds out she goes to see her dad confronts him and she's like you know i would never do this you know i don't know why you're trying to revive her like she's with god and all this other stuff and um you know using forbidden cardia is just against the law like you shouldn't do it and he's like even though your mom sacrificed herself so you would be alive by using forbidden cardia. And she's like, well, she was, uh, you know, she's a heathen then, you know, by like this daughter is like, no way. Like I'm not breaking the law a hundred percent. And so she's kind of like locked in prison right now. And, uh, he's trying to move forward with his plan to revive his wife. 
uh, and not even necessarily revive. Like there's no flesh. There's nothing like straight up bring her back from nothingness using this forbidden cardia. Uh, so it's called like the life cardia, mm-hmm. I think at this point in the game and, or technically it's called Eden. And uh, so, yeah, like this huge plot twist that just kind of boom out of nowhere. So that was kind of cool. Uh, so what I'm excited about though, is two of the characters I've been playing with are like part of the rebel army, I guess, technically. And you don't really know this and they give you hints so one of them is the other player you can play as toxa so i'm really interested to see like how this game ends with the lacrima story and then being able to see like the rebel army side of it and how you know whatever that relationship is on the back end that you don't know about and you only get glimpses of so it's gonna be pretty cool uh to dig through that but again battle still sucks um (laughs) in this game it's so difficult uh, but I'm, I'm getting a little better at it. You know, I told you last time you could, you can see actively how much damage you're dealing to people. And uh, it gives you a, a general idea on like how, like strategically how you want to go about stuff. Um, so that's been what I've been doing recently. And uh, battles have picked up. They've been a little quicker uh, because of that, but still very like sluggish overall. So that's where we're at with that game. I, I didn't play anything else actually. Other than that. Oh, and I sorted... I guess what we'll talk about, I sorted all of the games upstairs. Uh, so all of the Super Nintendo and Nintendo games I got from that big collection a while back. A bunch of the Xbox games I picked up not too long ago um, from that guy that I got the N64 games and such from as well, along with some GameCube games, including Pikmin. Uh, those have all been shelved up, and now I'm in the process of like rotating things you know on the shelf and just kind of making everything 100 flush and fitting uh and then i'm probably going to slow my roll on what i pick up just because i'm out of space again and i don't know where else i would put it at this point so that that's where we're where we are at the game collection right now yeah yeah quite, i mean quite i don't think it's going to stop you from picking up things <laughs> no probably not but i'll i'll probably be a little more selective i might you know probably lean more into like flipping stuff to be able to get like higher end games that I've wanted for a long time that I'm just not going to find in the wild very easily. Uh, that's probably the route I'll end up going. And uh, it's kind of a route I've been going for a few years. Like I've been trying to be super selective. Uh, but then again, you come across some of these lots where you get really unique and cool games. You've got like, some sick lots. Yeah. I mean, and dude, there's a lot of games in there. You're like, Oh cool. Like that actually might be fun to play one day. Uh, and yeah. So that's just how it ends up with those lots collections i guess and uh and we'll see but i'll I'll be pretty selective moving forward most likely so this week i almost picked up shovel knight treasure trove on the 3ds eShop sale but it's on the switch too physical yeah but i i don't really have a lot of reasons to play my 3ds anymore and i thought this would be a cool thing to get because that's like where it originally came out on and gotcha. it's got everything in it. It's like 450, but you need an eShop card to put money on it. Mm. So I need to go to the store and buy one in order to buy it on there before it closes. And that's assuming they're still selling eShop cards right now. Yeah. So I was just like, uh, well, they, they would be because of the switch. Yeah. So they would yeah. just go away. So never mind. Take that back. So, or, you know, they might have limits on when the window was that you could actually add funds. I don't know. People have been saying that things are on sale, so I assume that you can buy them still. Um, so I might check that out. Who knows? Uh, but that one barrier to entry stopped me. <laughs> if my credit card was allowed to go through, it would have gone through. 
and then I picked up Pikmin and a GameCube controller from my dear friend John so that I can get restarted on my new game's resolution. And like a smart boy, I asked for a, a memory card to go with as well. And he looked in every drawer and eventually he was like, you know what? I know where there's one to the Animal Crossing case. Dude, that's like my... Yeah, that. It's like the it's like there's always money in the banana stand. There's always a memory card in the Animal Crossing case. That one did not have one initially. I actually had to get that separate, oddly enough. So I remember the sticker on it? Yeah. Yeah, because the sticker was like custom that came not custom, but it came with it and you got to put it on the memory card. So I remember that pickup. That was at the Waterfront Missionary in Pensacola, Florida. I was out there and uh I, I picked that game up and it didn't have the special memory card. And I remember going to a game shop and they had the special memory card. I'm like, you sons of bitches. Like you, you bought it out of there. Like that's all, all it was. You just bought Mm -hmm. that. Um, So I went ahead and picked that up for like five bucks back then. So I think I spent in total, like maybe $10 on that game with, for everything. And I remember being so stoked for animal crossing and playing it and just getting so bored of it. (laughs) Like animal crossing for me is a game to have on in the background while doing something else. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, not really much pickups this week. As usual, you know me. Uh, I did play a bunch of Metroid Prime this week, though. The uh, uh, new one, right? Yeah. Or yeah not new, new one, one, but remake, remaster. Yeah. Uh, it's super fun. I've been having to consult the strategy guide. I am super happy to have discovered that, like, you could find a lot of scans of strategy guides on the internet archive. So I've been following like the original strategy guide, which is kind of cool. Um, just lightly, not like to a T just whenever I kind of get a little lost. Remind me, did you buy this physical or digital? Uh, no, Zach bought it digitally and he's just letting me borrow his switch. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. I remember that now. Cause I do want to buy it physically, but they're just going to keep restocking it. So it's not like I have to buy it right now. Yeah, dude, I see so many people on different Facebook threads who are like, oh, I got my copy of Metroid Prime. And it's like, so what? Like, I yeah. figure I'll be able to buy a used copy eventually for hopefully cheaper. Who I knows? Mean, maybe $30. Yeah, I mean, anything would be fine. Like, it's just, I'm kind of, I don't know, we'll talk. But I, I haven't bought, like, a new game, like, day one in a while. I guess Pokemon Violet. Yeah. Was the last one? Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last day one I got. I mean, technically, I didn't buy Harry Potter. My wife did. Um, Was it Elden Ring? I think Elden Ring might have been like the last day one for me. Yeah. Elden Ring's the only game that I've bought on my Xbox. So I guess we can just use this to kind of transition into our discussion topic because it is related. Mm -hmm. So Resident Evil 4 remake is coming out. Everybody's giving it like tens out of tens. It's the second highest uh, rated game of the year now, or third highest rated game of the year now. Um, It's my favorite game of all time. It's a lot of people's favorite game of all time. It's really high on a lot of best games of all time lists. Which versions do you own? So I have the Wii version and the PS4 version, and I want to have the Oculus version, although... If I get the PS5 version eventually and a PSVR 2 at some point, theoretically I could play it in VR there probably. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really stop me from wanting it for the Oculus for the last year that I've had an Oculus and not played it. 
I do really think I might cave though and buy it on the Xbox just because I have access to it and I would love to just like play the heck out of that game. Um, I think that I might just dive into it because honestly, I think it's what I need right now. Yeah, I've got it on myself. I've got it on GameCube, PS2, and Wii are the ones that I have it on. But, I mean, that's just because, again, collections. You come across them, right? And that's just how you get it. Well, it's the best game of all time. Like, I would love to have it on Switch also as a portable version. That would be sick. I uh, I don't think I've done that with any. Well, you know, I really can't do that with my favorite game because it's only come out twice and that's it so chrono cross mm. so it's um on the playstation one and it the radical dreamers edition just came out this past year and apparently that's plagued with issues like frame rate issues and such wait i thought there was uh wasn't there another version of that didn't it come out on like ds or something or chrono cross yeah no chrono trigger did oh chrono trigger chrono, yeah, chrono cross. trigger yeah, came yeah. out on super nintendo it came out on yeah, the ds and then confused. it came out on playstation as I've well i've never played either so i can never remember which one is which one yeah i mean i've played them both i mean i like both of them chrono cross is definitely my preferred which is probably going to get us canceled now <laughs> um, but yeah i mean that's just i preferred the you know what it was the soundtrack the soundtrack really got me of that game compared to some of the other rpgs i've played uh so yeah i mean that's just always been my favorite game and unfortunately it's only been released now twice yeah and it's really more so just a remaster which kind of sucks i'd I'd love a full-blown remake of both trigger and cross yeah and radical dreamers but that's more of like a story narrative type deal yeah so discussion topic uh resident evil 4 remake is now got a 93 on metacritic it's right behind the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Complete Edition with a 94, and at the top, Metroid Prime Remastered at a 95. And then, Tetris Effect Connected on PS5, uh, more Resident Evil for other versions, and then Persona 4 Gold, and then Dead Space, and then finally down at number 9, Hi-Fi Rush. So, like, the top... Eight games are all re-releases, remasters, or some kind of remake. Yeah, yeah, repackaging something of an old game. So like, it's not like this is a new phenomenon, but with the quality that they're getting and the recognition that they're getting, and the fact that like some of these are very new entities, some of them really aren't. But like, there should probably be more recognition and differentiation in like categories for like you know, awards and stuff probably to pump these up, you know, to show like, Hey, you know, like this is like a game of the year, potentially, even though this is like an old game, maybe that should be separate from like what the newest actual new game of the year is. Yeah. I, I would agree with you on that. Cause I mean, it's not like you're taking this brand new concept, this brand new IP and creating some you know, great piece of story or great piece of gameplay, right? You're taking something that already exists and you're just either remastering or you're remaking it from the ground up. And I, I get it, right? The development that needs to come through that to, to actually make it happen. And I can appreciate that, but I'm right there with you in there are other games that truly deserve, you know, that type of limelight. And it does need to kind of be, you know, separated in my opinion as well. Uh, I would like there to just be, 
you know, best remake or best remaster, given, you know, where the landscape is with these titles and how we're, we're getting more and more of them, it only makes sense if you're going to have four or five, like, remasters, remakes a year, that you have a category for it. Because in the grand scheme of things, you only need four or five games to make up, you know, nominees for that type of award anyway. So if you're going to have four plus, have an award that's separate for it, to your point. And then uh, Game of the Year, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. Um it can go either way on that, right? Because I guess I would exclude him from Game of the Year. I mean, like... I, I, I would. So, like, Elden Ring, I think I was reading on an article, got, like, a 96 or something last year. Yeah. Um. So, Metroid's, like, one point under that. So, like, what do you think's going to come out this year to be brand new that's going to be higher than that? Like, I guess Tears of the Kingdom... Uh, Starfield, of, Tears of the Kingdom, Starfield is one. Uh, technically, um, you could throw in Harry Potter in that mix. Harry Potter's of, already lower. Uh, yeah, but I mean, ratings don't necessarily matter. Well, no, I'm talking about like what's going to come out that's going to get a higher, oh, a higher like score. rating. I mean, even Starfield, I kind of question because it is Bethesda. Technically. Yeah, I I don't know if it's going to, but yeah, like Tears of the Kingdom would be, I think, the only only game that can truly like possibly take that down uh and probably will to be honest unless there's some weird issues with it you think it's gonna be 100 no i'm gonna say 97 97 that's my guess i guess it depends on how fast the weapons break this time yeah there you go i still need to play it man (laughs) oh you uh, still never played the first one no dude i I never finished the first one. i still need to play breath of the wild it's so bad um, I mean, I beat Arcane at time last year, so I got that going for Breath me. Breath of Wild's great, man. And the thing is, it's like very like go at your own kind of pace thing. Yeah, I, like I get it, and it's it's a game that's on my list. It's I, I still need to buy it. Actually, it's still on my list. But there's I could just lend it so, to you if you wanted to borrow it. Uh, I'll end up buying it. I, it's one of those things that it's. I have so many RPGs I want to play. Yeah, it's like so low on the totem pole. Like I get that it's a good game. But there's so many RPGs I own. Mm. Like I, if I had to choose right now, somebody said, "Hey, you could play Thousand Arms on the PlayStation One, which is like that romance simulator RPG type deal, or you could play Breath of the Wild." I would choose Thousand Arms. Like yeah. if I had to play one of those two, Thousand Arms, absolutely all day, every day, and it only makes sense because it's a backlog, right? Like just go through these old ass RPGs on PS one and play them through. Like honestly, my new game's resolution next year is probably going to be an RPG on PS one yeah, or some other console. that's older. God, don't even talk about next year yet. Still got to do this year. <laughs> yeah. We still got to beat this year for sure. Dude, this is the longest I think I've taken in a while to get like a game beat, but how long, how much longer do you have? I just hit like chapter 15 or something for the first person. And then I got to dive in on the second person. I'm really hoping that like it carries over stats somehow, but I, I'm very doubtful that it does. So do you want to race? I mean, huh? You want to race? Shit. You'd probably still beat me. I know my game's only eight hours. It is. <laughs> I don't know, man, at your pace, I, I might actually win. Uh, yeah. My game is supposed to be like 20 hours or something. And I, I've t- probably taken about that much time. I don't know. But it's just different now that I have a baby and stuff. It's just hard to like, you know, if I start gaming at 830, realistically, I have to finish gaming at like 1015. Yeah. And then at that point, I'm so wiped. Like the last few days, I think my trip and everything kind of got me. Yeah. Uh, And I was also sick too for like two weeks um, or like a week and a half. But yeah, dude, like it, I've been falling asleep while feeding him at 1030. 
Like it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say rough, but it's like, you know, there's, I want to do stuff on my own. Right. Yeah. And it's just so hard when you have a kid at that point. So I've been doing as much gaming as I can and I'm getting about an hour and a half, two hours a night right now, only cause I've been falling asleep so early. But when I get to a point where maybe I'm not as tired, um, which I don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, I might be able to start gaming again until like, you know, 11 o'clock, midnight type of time frame. Yeah. So, well, we'll see. You're not the only person who's tired out there, John. Do you know who's a really tired man? My oh, boy, Gerard. Uh, yeah. Dragon Rider Khalil, the completionist. Yeah, well, he completionists the whole <laughs> flipping 3DS and Wii U collection. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah, if you didn't see this yet, I, I don't know if you had seen it before I shared yeah. it with you. Yeah, I, so I, I've been following the completionist I figured. forever. I watched all his stuff day one. I watched the podcast that they put out before his video came out where he was talking about it. So basically, Gerard, per second, watch it. Gerard in the name of preservation, uh, went ahead and purchased with $22,000 worth of eShop cards, hard drives, and SD cards in a painstaking process the entire well, I'm going to say entire, the entire that it, he was able he to was do able to do. Yes. Cause some games actually were removed from the eShops at different time frames. So pretty much got every single 3ds game from the eShop and every single Wii U game from the eShop as well. And is going to start playing them, I guess over time and starting to complete them and show us all the quirky games that we may have missed out on. And, you know, I wish, I really wish that like Nintendo would just kind of keep this stuff as is, or, I don't know, provide some other way for people to be able to buy it. But it sounded like licensing issues are a problem, and that's why a lot of these have kind of fallen off. And um, obviously, a lot of these are just going to be lost to time. Yeah. And this is, again, exactly why I buy physical. Like, once these digital games are gone, they're gone. Now, you know, technically speaking, uh, firmware updates and all that that go into a game could be non-existent down the road, but you should still be able to play many of the games, at least PS3 and PS4 games, earlier PS4 games, without the need of like crazy firmware updates, Switch as well. Um, but there are games out there, it's literally just, you know, you put it in, it's like an installer nowadays, and it just downloads directly to your system. So PS5, I think, does that. And Xbox has been doing that for a while. So, I don't know, I think it's super cool, dude. I, I watched that video, I got a good laugh out of it. I think my favorite was when he's talking about like professor Layton and super Mario and how you have to actively play some of these games through. And he's just like freaking out. Cause he's like, I have to play this game that takes 24 hours to be able to even download the DLC that is on the eShop. Yeah, he downloaded all the there. DLC for all the games as well. Yeah. And they had, he ran into so many problems. Like I won't spoil everything, but like there were just like problems that like, okay, we've got a plan. We've got this much time to execute the plan. We can get the money together and then we just got to do it. And then it wound up taking, I mean, the shop closes next week. Like, I don't know how long ago they finished this, but like, I know it took like almost a year to do it. I think he just recently did it because in the video he references like three months ago. Something like, this like is that. where I was. And yeah. it took him like 380 something days or 340 something days. So it's pretty much when they announced that it was closing down is when he went ahead and, and started this adventure, right? To get all of these games. I think it's insane. Yeah. Get, like it's it's crazy how much dedication went into this. And, and I the, think he said he's gonna send it all to like the video game preservation society or something like something that. Something like that, yeah. 
So that was really cool. Uh, definitely check out that video. Video Game History Foundation? What's that? Might be the Video Game History Foundation. I don't, I don't remember, remember exact name. naming, um, but I did think it was Go a check out cool the effort. video. Yeah. Leave a like and a comment. Tell them the Game Deflator sent you. Uh, I see what you did there, Ryan. Okay. Uh, next is the Bloober CEO defends Konami, and he says they do know what they're doing. Uh, this is Rich Stanton at PC Gamer. So, Ryan, uh, you take this one away. So, with the... Hold on. It won't open. Are you trying to open up the article? Yeah. So, with uh, the Silent Hill announcements that we got, and you know Konami's history of how they've treated a lot of their properties, how they've been kind of silent in the games industry for a few years. You know, they botched some of their titles. They've licensed some stuff out. They've been, you know, making all those pachinko machines, (laughs) slot machines and stuff. You know, they've been in a whole nother headspace. But um, Bloober Team CEO, uh, he says that Konami knows what they're doing, that there are people there that are actually... You know, taking charge of these properties and trying to see justice done. And I think that when we had that Konami announcement show a while ago, and we saw these trailers for these games, I mean, they were impressive. Like, it was what people were hoping to see. And then they showed us something even crazier with that uh, beautiful trailer for the one that's going to be, like, kind of back in the day, like in Japan. Yeah, it's It's like a whole other setting and time. 1960s Japan. Yeah, and so that shows a lot of creativity and, you know, where can we push this? Not just how can we rehash the same thing because they're doing the rehash but going to use it as a launching platform. And hopefully, you know, this points to a good direction and says that, you know, Konami could extend out, start doing some better things start working with some other teams start making better decisions and really get their head back in the game space because i think for a while you know they were you know fighting with kojima to make metal gear solid the best thing that it could be and he had ideas for things that he wanted to do but he was kind of stuck there and you know the, the last few Silent Hill games just were not what the original ones were. Those went in a totally different direction that, like, didn't gain the traction that some of the later Resident Evils kind of gained to keep them going through before they kind of renaissanced again. So, you know, showing that they've got initiative and creativity and making something else with Silent Hill could potentially lead to that with some of their other properties and hopefully, you know we see a reemergence of Konami as a major competitor because the money's there now. Like maybe at the time, you know, it's been a ballooning industry. Like it's been making more and more money, but they definitely weren't. Now maybe they've backed off, have enough nostalgia that when they do strike back, they can really get their hands on some of that money. If they can hopefully dodge the NFT and blockchain stuff that like, uh, Square's botched announcement this week had. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I like Square has gone this totally different direction. It looks like they're screwing up, right? And probably poised for uh, uh, acquisition here pretty soon, I would imagine. But as far as Konami's concerned, I mean, yeah, I'm, I totally get it. Like, Konami kind of fell off the face of the earth, it felt like, there for a little bit. 
And pulling out Silent Hill 2 is definitely going to get that nostalgia going. It's going to pull in that that money and, and like you said, a platform for this new 1960s type of Japanese Silent Hill, which should be pretty badass. I mean, I, I love Japanese settings in video games, so being able to put it in the 60s and Silent Hill effect to it is going to be awesome. But I do question the the reasoning behind going forward to Silent Hill 2 still. I mean, I get it. Silent Hill 2 is considered one of the most innovative horror games and one of the best of all time. And I totally understand that. But, like, you've got Silent Hill 1 there. And it's not like Resident Evil 1 is the greatest Resident Evil of all time. It's not like Resident Evil 2 is the greatest Resident Evil of all time. But they started there. They went 1, 2, 3, 4, and, and whatever else they're going to do down the road. And so I really do wish they would have kind of kick-started it with Silent Hill 1 ground up remake on what is honestly just a very difficult game to play given what it was placed on being in a PS one and then move forward with two and three and so on. Yeah. I mean, I think that, so like he says in the article, he talks about, you know, how they're trying to make these games have like more of an impact through the choices and really make you feel through these characters. And I think that the story of two is maybe just, a little deeper to where they can like really draw out some of those those things like there was just more meat on the bone to work with there for them i guess and you know who knows what could happen like if this does really well maybe this was just the one that they thought would be the most you know easy to sell to the public as like you know this one's the most revered so maybe that'll get everybody in enough that they can do like a crazy remake of the first one that like goes in a different direction. And then they don't have to remake two to follow those different decisions because they already did it. And then they can kind of just spin the franchise off from there because like, I don't know much about three. I know people talk about the room. I don't know which one that is in the numbers. So like, Eventually, if they want to kind of correct the mistakes by not having to remake every game, they could do, you know, Silent Hill 1 remake, and it goes in like a Final Fantasy 7 remake direction, maybe. where it's just totally a different story yeah. at that point. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I, I still think like if they would have started with 1, that would have still provided enough hype for like a number 2, right? And probably more so than what we're getting now, so... Knowing that, like, okay, cool, they're remaking one, and this audience, is like, oh crap, they're remaking Final or you know something Final Fantasy Silent Hill one. Are they gonna make a two? Is that gonna happen? You're gonna have people kind of clamoring for that and build up enough excitement over the years to be able to release that number two, anyways, and still make a crap ton of money. Um, you know, I think they're gonna make money regardless, but selfishly, I really wish they would have started one so I could replay one and not have to worry about the poor graphics and controls yeah. compared to what it would be in modern day. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, next thing here is a uh, Starfield exclusivity is why Sony doesn't trust Microsoft's promises. And this is Michael Beckwith at Metro co UK. And so general idea here is that when Bethesda was acquired, Microsoft pretty much right out the gate was like, yeah, you know, we're going to, more games and more consoles is better. There's some exclusives that we'll have. They through. said Xbox first or best, yeah, but not exclusive. Yeah. So like, and there was, I recall there being an, an instance of like, 
Some games will remain on Xbox, but not necessarily all. Case-by-case case basis. Yes. All those nice corporate buzzwords you love to hear. And, like, they straight up told, like, the EU commission, like, certain things. And now looking at that acquisition down the road, uh, you know, and, and likely, you know, I'm sure Sony during that acquisition was told, oh, well, you know, Starfield will come out on the PlayStation and, and Elder Scrolls will come out on PlayStation. And, like, you'll get all these games. It'll be, like, you know, just as it normally was. And then right after everything goes through, Phil Spencer comes out. He's like, we're going to have some great exclusives from this Bethesda acquisition. So I totally get the mindset here. Like people are making Sony out to be like this, you know, this dick of a company, which I mean, I'm sure they are. And I'm sure Microsoft is too. Um, But like this big dick of a company for not wanting this acquisition of Activision to go through. But Sony, it seems like has already been burned once. Microsoft is going out and it's, you know, people always say, well, Sony goes off and buys studios. Yeah, Sony's buying studios that have like one or two games, right? And they're doing it to to increase the amount of developers and build their own IPs and so on. They're not off buying Activision, who has hundreds of IPs under their name that are now potentially exclusive to Microsoft. And the same thing with Bethesda with all of their titles that they have. I mean, honestly, I think the Bethesda act- or acquisition is better than Activision in terms of what they're getting between Fallout, Elder Scrolls, now Starfield and uh, I think Doom right is also on there. So yeah. and yeah, so there's a number of great titles that Bethesda had under their wing uh, that are going to be exclusive most likely moving forward, um, and will continue to do so unless for some reason they don't sell well and Microsoft has to open the floodgates to go to these other consoles. It seems like a lot of these are going to remain with Xbox. Well, unless Sony decides at some point to put Game Pass on their console. Which I've told you that in the past. I think that is a very high end possibility that Microsoft says this is the last console. We're not doing another Xbox. We're purely in the publishing mode. We can make more money by working directly with all, like, we'll maybe still have our own console, but you know, we'll work be- directly with these competitors and they're no longer competitors, but partners. And by the way, we get a cut of all the games that are brought out on Game Pass and, and, really to service being on your console essentially you know like i i see it this way maybe like they just release a series s equivalent you know a smaller one that plays everything but let all those games be on playstation on game pass and license out the physical copies to the ps6 but they don't have to worry about printing discs or anything yeah i mean There's a lot of things that they can do by just having, you know, if they go that route, you know, if, if they go purely cloud gaming moving forward or have some sort of small physical thing that attaches to your TV, kind of like a steam box, right. To be able to play these games, uh, which we've talked about in the past, there's talk of that coming out. Um, I think that's honestly the best route for Microsoft that their console continues to have lackluster sales. What's the point in spending all of this money to have these consoles sell at a loss, to not even have third place in these console wars, despite the fact that you have all of these well, games. Well, they have third qu- place. Well, yeah, third place, sorry. Yeah, because third place is last place in a console wars. Like, I mean, unless you include PC. I don't yeah, know where PC well, sits. PC would be number one, technically. So, Are there more PC players than Oh, absolutely. PlayStation 4 owner players? Yeah, for sure, dude. Okay. Yeah, I mean... I mean, they play PC games, or I guess I was thinking, like, non-PC stuff, but yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, there's definitely more. It's basically all the same nowadays. And mobile gaming, too. So, I mean, technically... Oh, mobile's you, number one, for sure. If you want to look sure, at yeah. it in that respect, yeah, mobile's number one, for sure. So, so now want, they're in sixth place. If you, Yeah, they're in sixth, sixth place? Fifth place. Fifth place, technically. I don't know, dude. There's got to be, like, something else out there. The Steam Deck. The, oh, the, <laughs> the Soldier Boy consoles. That's oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Soldier Boy consoles. <laughs> Those are the best. Uh, so, point being is that Microsoft is essentially in dead last in these console wars and in gaming in general. So, if they're able to, to you know, what you said earlier, put Game Pass on all of these different devices, competitors, their own devices, TVs, and so on, the amount of subscribers that they're going to get from that is going to be drastically more than if they have these consoles at a loss and try to keep them exclusive. So, I mean, with all of this that you're saying, I mean, this is all the more argument that... That it should happen? Yeah. I mean, basically, and that's the argument here is like, if they make all these things exclusive, is it going to be enough to drive them up to be a serious competitor at that point? Or is it going to... Are they still going to be in last? Like, are they going to spend all this money... And I mean, they'll start making a ton more money. Yeah. But if they don't move more consoles, how much does that really cash and, out? I mean, you, I thinking of all the King games, like they're going to make all the money off of those, but like, you know, all the future stuff that they're going to make off of like Diablo four and it's like, all, they just had a preview for that, that people really like. See, that's going to be on PC as well. It's all hypothetical. I mean, the idea here is like, okay, if say after this whole acquisition goes through microsoft starts moving consoles like crazy and they shoot up the ranks and they're number one selling console out of the big three consoles they're going to start making things exclusively and it's going to stay exclusive right because of that and i think that's sony's argument is if microsoft gets to that point they're just going to be an unstoppable force given the amount of games that they have you know versus if it remains as is microsoft is still pushing out consoles they're still getting games on those consoles but I, I think it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Right? Like they're like, either going to make them exclusive and succeed or, or they're, they're going to make them exclusive and, and still fail, but they'll still be exclusive either way Potentially. because that's what they're going to do. Or or they make it multi-platform at that point to be able to bring in more money. But then how does that work long term? Well, they- that's what PlayStation wants them to do. Yeah. Like, I don't know if we covered it, but like I did hear like that deal uh that came out i think it was like a quote from him where he was like we don't want your 10-year deal i just want to block your merger yeah like just blatantly in an email or something i think or an interview yeah like well i think it's a fake one but you know yeah i totally get it like we just want to block your merger and i i'm you know as many people say they're team microsoft i'm team sony in this and it's not like any you know yeah i i would probably be a sony fanboy right but i'm not against xbox well, at, all, at like, the end of the day, we should all be anti-corporation. We really should. Like be. we should, we should want it to fail because people that make a lot of money want it to succeed, and yeah. that's usually bad for more people than it's good for more people. I just don't. I still don't see how this is good for gamers unless Microsoft straight up says we're no longer making Xbox consoles or hardware. I mean, and we're going just straight. It's publishing. potentially bringing Call of Duty to the Switch, two or whatever to run like Pokemon. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. It's, yeah, it's going to be bad, I think. Uh, I, I'm actually, I think we said a berry last week. I'm super excited just to see how poorly it runs on the Switch. Well, right. you know what runs great on the Switch? Today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Carry in. 
uh, developed by Phobia Game Studio, published by Devolver Digital. I didn't realize that until after I bought it. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Sebastian uh, Krosowitz, I think. I don't know. And then Kristoff uh, Kromke, I'm guessing. Chom- Chomke? I'm, I'm guessing. Chomke. Yeah, my eyesight's bad, and uh, it also is just a very long name that I can't pronounce. So, whole bunch of things slewed into uh, one Apologies. issue there. Love your game. Yes, exactly. All right, so it was released uh, July 3rd, 2020. It is a horror game, technically. Uh, reception is, on average, about seven. It uh, had, like, a range from six to nine, but it averaged, like, mid-sevens for the most part. So, like, this was... A sick game right off the bat. Like, I heard about this game a long time ago. I really wanted to play it for a long time. I'm glad John has it now because I will definitely want to play this. It's not a very long game. But it is just right off the bat extreme and violent and aggressive in a cool way that you've never played in a game. So I have the plot here. So it's in... in, in Jeez, man, I'm going to mess that up already. An amorphous entity known only as the monster is held in a containment unit within a research facility owned by a company called Relift Science. The creature breaks out and progresses through the facility in order to find an exit. As the organism progresses through the facility, it fights and devours its way through the facility's staff and security forces. Along the way, the creature discovers pieces of its genetic code removed by the scientists for study and containment, which allow it to evolve. Uh, allowing for greater size and more means of both defense and offense. And so we saw that with a couple different, uh, we played probably about five, six chapters overall, right? Out of like 12 or 13. And uh, you kind of see that as you progress where you got like the web thing that you could shoot out and then uh, your like sonar that you can kind of Mm -hmm. figure out where other pieces of your genetic code are uh, throughout uh, the story. So you are actively like evolving. You're Metroidvania-ing. Yeah. In some instances. Yeah. So do you want to go over to gameplay? Yeah. So you are the coolest, like, tentacle blob thing monster. And you just traverse through these, like, Metroidvania kind of style. Uh, I mean, it's not all a connected world, but it's like side-scrolling. But you just latch on to these tunnels with your tentacles and just zoom through uh, you reach out and grab people and yank them in to eat them. Um, you know, there's like different puzzles you're trying to navigate like through this maze of tunnels and this facility, ripping things off the walls to get through doors and stuff. And it, it violent, just like force of all of your movements and interactions is just so impressive. Like it's not like in a door or in a game where it's like you open a door. Or you kick a door. This is like tentacle shoots out. You just rip it off. And it's just like so destructive. You really feel powerful and aggressive. And you're just running rampant through here. And this is obviously like the antithesis of um, what you would typically get in a game like this, right? Like most horror games or horror style games in this case. uh, You're obviously trying to destroy the enemy. And you would be trying to run away from the alien creature or... Kill it or kill it or, you know, whatever the situation may be. And in this one, you are that creature and you are destroying everything in your path to 
really escape at this point. It's a point. great flip. Oh, yeah. I, I love those types of games. When this game was originally announced, it immediately caught my attention because of that. So it, it's always been on my list. I've actually had it on my Amazon list for a long time, and it finally just hit a deal that I liked, and that was 20 bucks. Um, but looking at the overall brass tacks here, you know, complete in box, we're looking at 2703, um, which is about right. It's typically $30 for this game new. Uh, so 27.03 is right on point. It peaked at $67 apparently back in August of 2021, which is crazy. So it must have like a limited release at that point. Uh, that is, of course, trending downward. Uh, Loose will run you $24.95. That peaked at $50 in April 2021 as well, and that's also trending down. A digital console, you can pick it up for $20. Bucks. Uh, digital PC, uh, you can pick it up for $39.97. It's on sale uh, for sixteen seventeen though right now, and of course I got it on Amazon for twenty bucks. It's had that a few times now, uh, so definitely keep an eye out if you want a physical copy. Amazon has them pretty cheap right now, and most likely over time you'll see used copies go down a little lower. Amazon's really good about that. So if it's like twenty bucks for an advertised like on sale copy, you can sometimes find a used copy for like fifteen bucks with nice. Prime. So it's always good to keep an eye out on that. On that, um, in terms of like overall thoughts here for me. You know, I, I really like the concept. I, I love the gameplay. I love being able to shoot around really quickly, grab different enemies. I love the puzzle elements of it. The music is super subtle, but it's there. Um, and then even just like the different power-ups, like we did the whole like mind control thing, or it seemed like mind control where we had the guy laying out C4 and opening doors and such. So I'm really interested to see more of those elements of like as this creature evolves, what happens. Uh, so I will probably keep playing this one. It is only about 45 minutes or so to complete. We played about 30 minutes. So um, given the rate of pace we're at, probably take me about an hour and a half to get through. Uh, so I think I'll keep this, keep playing this one uh, sometime this week and, and bang it out. Um, my rating at 20 bucks, I think it's worth it. You know, I think that the price is just right. In fact, I would honestly say it's it's probably deflated at its current price point. Uh, because it typically is 30. Uh, I do think it's worth that $30 uh, that you'd get for this. It is on a shorter side, but it's a it's a cool, fun game. I mean, it's developers put a lot of time into this, and I think it's worth their efforts to pay that full $30 if you get the chance. I want to see a speed run of this game, because I think the rush was like, said 29. Yeah. And I really want to see a speed run of this game, because I bet it would be so violent and crazy looking. No, oh, absolutely. Like just being able to like sling things out just so quickly. And, and a game through. that like you could normally do in like 45 minutes, like I bet they can get it crazy fast. Oh, for sure. Well, at 29 or so is probably like speed run quality. Yeah. I don't know. Like some of these games, like, yeah, because of the puzzle elements and having to backtrack and stuff might make things a little more difficult. But the enemies and what we encountered weren't very hard at all. I mean, you no, died, yeah, you died to one time, but I don't think you didn't notice a person on the ground. Yeah, shooting. yeah. I was trying to eat somebody and I kept getting shot. I didn't even see them. Yeah. Saw it too late. What is uh, what's your thought in terms? Yeah, of no, this is uh, definitely a just right game. Like, you know. Sometimes it's hard to say on games like, oh, this is like an older game and it's, you know, you don't, you can't just go buy it at the store or whatever. And, you know, is it really worth this price? Like this is not a long game, but it looks great. It has a feeling that I don't think you're going to get from a lot of other games. And I think that really makes it unique and definitely justifiably worth 
you know, I mean, 20 bucks on sale. Great. Cause it's normally 30. Boom. Get it. Yeah. Done deal. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's put just right for this one then. Ta-da. Uh, not sure what we're playing next week. Uh, we haven't really discussed that one. Um, but we'll see. Maybe a Super Nintendo, PlayStation, or Nintendo game. Uh, it'd be pretty cool. You don't have a Sega, do you? A mini? No, I wish. I want one. Okay. They're like, I don't know. Just not my first priority of thing to get, yeah. I guess. I've got one. I mean, I could probably just loan it to you. I would want to get one and hack it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I tried to hack the Super Nintendo Classic mm-hmm. and put Uniracers on there, and I couldn't get it to work. Uh, that's right, because you had to play it on PC. That mm-hmm. is right. All right, well, we'll figure out uh, what we play next week at a later point in time. Uh, but for now, this has been episode 227 of the Game of Players podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.